All right. Can I just see by show of hands, who is still with us on the train of fasting? Yes. Hallelujah. We are on, who can tell me what day we are on? 14. Hallelujah. I get confused when we don't start on the 1st of September. So we only started on the 6th. And then I have to constantly think, okay, where are we? But I've marked it in my Bible. Someone said to me, why do we not send every day? the scripture of the day. And I said, well, you just start at John 1 and work your way through the whole book. Then you'll end up at John 21 and you'll be fine after 21 days. So we started, when was it? Two weeks ago on the 6th of September, we started a 21-day fast. And Johannes really felt strongly in his heart that this is a time where we need to literally surrender ourselves to the Lord because of a new season that he's taking us into, that he's preparing us for, specifically as our church community. And we started speaking about fasting, and we said that fasting is giving something up in the natural in order to gain something in the spiritual. I mean, so if you've missed that, I'm not going to repeat myself on fasting, but it's an incredibly amazing discipline, and probably one of the hardest things for us to engage in because we have to let our flesh die. Amen. I didn't get a lot of amens when I was preaching that sermon. And I understand because the flesh wants to be king. And there's a, if you are new to fasting, Jenterson Franklin from the U.S., He's a pastor there, I think somewhere in the Carolinas, and he has written phenomenal books about the discipline of fasting. And he has a whole chapter in one of those books where he speaks about dethroning king's stomach. And I just thought that's so appropriate. So hard, but so good. And so we spoke about that, and we spoke about how, you know, a fast is not a fast unless we pray. And so last week we spoke about the model prayer and we spoke about the Lord's prayer, which is actually should be called the disciples prayer. And we went through the model of how Jesus taught the disciples to pray, where he gave us a guideline. He gave us a structure that we could use to implement in our prayer life, because let's be honest, who sometimes struggles to pray? Sometimes we can feel so overwhelmed with what's going on in our lives, we Struggle to find the words to actually communicate to the Lord. And so I just found when I was studying through the Lord's Prayer again, the disciples' prayer, that it really encouraged my heart again to dig deeper and to even write down my prayers. And so I don't know, you know, everyone is different. I don't know if that will work for you, but I found if I actually write it down, it really helps me to sometimes talk specific things to the Lord. Other times I just say, Yere help. That's also a, a very, very good prayer to pray. All right, so then we spoke about prayer, and we said if you are not praying during a fast, then you're just on a diet. You're on a diet from social media, you're on a diet from chocolates, whatever your diet is. But if there's no prayer involved, it's not a fast. Fasting is actually consecrating myself, structuring my life to incorporate more time with the Lord to incorporate more time in his presence, more time in the word. It's getting myself to a quiet and a still place to actually hear his voice. And that is Johannes' biggest thing on his heart for this fast. He wants to see breakthrough in people hearing the, the Lord's voice. Because if we are not going to hear God's voice, we are not going to make it into the seasons that we are heading into. We need his voice for every day. We need his voice for everything that we do. And then when we spoke about that, we spoke about the story of King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20. And we shared briefly the story of how he was a really good king. He actually appointed Levites and priests in all sorts of roles and places in society so that they would have a just society, so that they would obey the word of the Lord, so that they could actually live in peace as a nation. He was a good king. He did all the right things. And then at some point, he received a message that said there were a vast army on their way to attack him and his nation. And I love how the Bible is so honest and authentic, and it said the king actually feared. Jehoshaphat 
was scared. Because he knew that the army, the enemy coming against him, was way bigger than what they had the capacity to fight and to actually gain victory over. And so what did he do? His immediate response was he called a corporate fast. It was a time of crisis, and he knew that if they did not go to God to deliver them, they were doomed, basically. He was not relying on the scientists of the world to help. He knew that they needed a supernatural deliverance from the Lord. So he called a corporate fast. He pulled the assembly together. So the first key was he fasted. The second thing was they started praying. And I want to take the time, since we spoke about the model prayer, if you've missed it, you can go and watch on YouTube last week's word. I want to take the time, and it's a long portion of scripture, but to read through the prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed. When they were in that moment of panic, you can literally hear the enemy is coming. And you're in a corner, and you're stuck. And you know that there is no way that you can deliver yourself from this situation. Who's been there? You know that no one in the natural can fix this. No amount of money can buy you out of this crisis. No clever person with 10 degrees can get you out of this situation. Only the God of heaven. And so I want us to read this. 2 Chronicles 20. It's also on you version if you follow along. And we're going to start in verse 5. And so if you've got your Bible, why don't you read in your Bible and underline anything that stands out to you this morning. All right, so it says, Then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard. And he said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or plague or plague, sorry, or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress. And you will hear us. And you will save us. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Verse 12. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. We have no power against this army attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. He did not say, Lord, our eyes are on BBC News. I'm not taking a hint at the media. I'm just saying, do not keep our eyes on the news. Do not keep our eyes on the things of the world when our only help can come from the God in heaven. Our God in heaven. And don't you think that is just an incredible prayer that he prayed? And when we look back at the model last week, the first thing that Jesus taught us when he spoke when he shared the Lord's Prayer, was that the first thing before we tell God about our problem is we start by magnifying Him. We start by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Those first three things all spoke about Him first. And I actually believe there is a power when we pray, 
when we find ourselves in this place of crisis, when we purposefully magnify Him, we purposefully make Him bigger than the thing that we are facing, we are already heading into a place of victory. Because what we can easily do, and He could have easily said, Lord, look at the army. But He took a couple of verses to first explain, God, are you not the God of heaven? That's what he said first. He recalled who God is. Are you not the God in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms. Power and might is in your hand. And when we do that, what are we actually doing? We're actually encouraging our own hearts to believe again. Yes, I have to remind myself. God is actually the one with all the power. A virus doesn't have the power. Poverty doesn't have the power. Okay? The bank manager doesn't have the power. Who has all the power and all the might in his hand? We need our hearts to get to that place of understanding and reminding again. It's actually for us to encourage ourselves. It's for us to help us to gain the right perspective. Not look here, but look there. So number one, he recalled who God is. Then he recalled what God has done. He said, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before you gave it to us? Did you not give us this inheritance? Excuse me, is this not our promised land? Sometimes you need to remind the Lord, Lord, is this not my promised land? Did you not give us this? I think oftentimes, Johannes and I, when we pray for church, Lord, did you not say we should plant a church here in this time in a national lockdown, global lockdown for that matter? I pray that. Lord, did you not say... Surely this was not mine, Johannes' clever little idea. <laughs> Did you not say? Did you not do? So we have to go back to the promises and we have to go back and remind him, Lord, did you not do? We go back to our history with the Lord. If he was faithful to you there, he will be faithful to you again. But sometimes we need to go back and remind ourselves of where he has been faithful. And if maybe you're new in the Lord and you don't have a history with the Lord, then make history with Him. Yeah, you have a whole, I don't want to call it a history book, it's alive. But if you go and read these stories of the Old Testament, of the early church, of the New Testament, and you don't have your own history and you don't have your own stories, then believe these ones. There are some pretty good ones in here. To stir your faith and to recall what God has done. And then only, once he's done that, he comes back and he says, okay, so here's our little problem, Lord. <laughs> the army is coming. We do not have the power and we do not know what to do. We are beyond desperate at this point. There is no way we can turn to for help. Our friends might not be able to help us. Maybe even our pastor does not have a word that can help me. But you, Lord, and he presents his request, just like Jesus said, tell me your daily needs. Give me my daily bread, Lord. This is my need. I bring it before you. And then they humbled themselves, which shows trust, which shows entire dependence on God. Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes on you. And immediately after the prayer, you can go and read it. The spirit of the Lord, Old Testament the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the people in the church and he started giving a prophetic word that says, the Lord says, do not be afraid of the army that is coming against you. Because the battle is not yours, but the battle is mine. That's where that song comes from, by the way. The battle is not yours, the battle is mine. But I need you to still stand in your position. I still need you to show up in your position. We don't just lie in a corner and wait for Jesus to do everything. No, we take a prophetic step of faith to what God tells them. So what did they receive? They received the promise from the Lord immediately after that prayer. Remember, they're in a position of fasting. They're in a position of prayer. Now they have this faith expectation. God gives a prophetic word and he says to them, go out into the field. Go out into the battle. That's not really what we want to hear. Sometimes the word of the Lord will come to us and it's not what we want to hear. 
But we have a choice to make whether we want to be obedient if we want to see the victory that God has promised us. So what do they receive? They receive a rhema word from God. We spoke about a rhema word a couple of months ago. What is a rhema word? A rhema word is an alive word, an active word, a word for now. I can read a scripture of the promises of the Lord here in the Logos written word, and it's absolutely true. It's true for me. It's true for you. But sometimes when God breathes on something, it's a rhema word. It's a word for now, for this battle. Maybe you had a different word for yesterday's battle. God wants to give a rhema word for today's battle. God wants to give a rhema key for what you need today. It will not necessarily be the same as last year. He wants to give fresh manna, and that's why we are in a fast. That's why we are praying. That's why we are seeking the Lord, because we want to hear his voice. We want to know, Lord, what is the manna for now that I need? What is it now that I need to do? Sometimes we need to stand in faith. Other times we need to take action. Other times we need to do something. But we won't know until we wait for him to speak to us. Amen. So they receive the word. What is the next thing that they do? I love their response. And this is actually where I want to start preaching this morning. (laughs) I'm only now starting. Notice their response, verse 18 and 19. It says, Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. This is now after that prophetic word was spoken. Verse 19, and then some Levites from the Kohathites and the Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. This is my scripture. When someone says, you sing too loud, I can hear you at the back. Well, the Bible says I need to praise the Lord with a very loud voice. Okay, the devil must your worship, Owens. I can't just worship. No one is going to run away with that type of worship. I'm talking to the introverts this morning. You can worship with power, okay, with a loud voice. And you don't have to care what people think about you. Do we want to see the victory in our lives or not? I had a good night's sleep. I said to Johannes this morning, I am ready. Because I'm so excited about this word. Honestly. And this is what I want to talk to us about this morning. I believe the third key that led these guys to victory. And the same is true for us today. The first one was fasting. The second one was praying. The third one was praising. Praising God. Praising God. It said that the next morning they marched out. And then the king took an interesting approach. Now the Lord said to them, they must go into the battle. But he also said, the battle is not yours, it's mine. So that's interesting. So if I'm a soldier, I'm thinking, okay, the king is telling me to dress up. He's telling me to put on all my gear, my sword, my spear, my shield, thank you very much. You know, whatever else, my helmet. I'm going into the battle. But something is going to happen. Maybe I'm going to engage. Maybe they're just going to stand still and I'm just going to be able to kill everyone. I don't know what the battle is going to look like, but I'm going in with an expectation that God's going to do something. So here King Jehoshaphat comes and I think it's very interesting. He sends them out. I've read a lot of commentaries about this because the Bible is not clear, but a lot of scholars and commentaries says that Most probably, they went out fully dressed, fully armored for the battle. But what did King Jehoshaphat do? He decided, no, 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 no. Since the Lord said that it's his battle and not ours, I'm going to take the Levites and the priests, okay, I'm going to take the pastors and put them ahead of the army. No, I said to Johannes last night, can you please explain to me who goes first in the army? And he said, well, it depends on what century we're talking about. So then we had a bit of a discussion and trying to figure out, can you now think back and imagine in their time, these fully armed and equipped soldiers, they are going out into battle. They've been trained for this. They are fully trained. They are fully knowledgeable. They know how to fight a battle. And he puts the poor little Levites, the worship team and the pastors in the front. To me... 
it sounds like a suicide mission. Because I said, Johannes, can you explain to me how the, a battle works? I'm thinking Braveheart. That's the only picture, if you've watched Mel Gibson, I'm thinking Mel Gibson on a horse with all his weapons, but the little worship team running ahead of him with nothing but a Bible or a tambourine or a driuki. What name you Kling, kling. Okay. That's what they are going in with. And I want you to think through this. This is, this is a little crazy step of faith on a, just on one prophetic word. The battle is not yours. The battle is mine. <laughs> and the Bible says, Jehoshaphat, the king demands that the, the armor that they use for this battle is praise. So he sends the worship team, the singers in front, and he tells them to do their thing. Lead the army in worship. Okay, so I'm sure these guys were, knees were knocking, mouths went dry, but they were singing, Ahmad. They were singing and they were praising. And then it says the following in verse 20. Suicide mission. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God. They needed a bit of a faith injection, right? Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Also have faith in his prophets. Trust that God can speak through the people that he chooses to speak through. And you will be successful. Verse 21. And after consulting the people, encouraging them, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Siah, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. Okay, that is powerful. If that doesn't impress you, I'm not sure it will. The Bible says, as they began to sing, as they began to praise, God went into action. As soon as the sound was released from their mouths and the tambourine, whatever they had with them, the Lord went into action. Heaven came down and started to move on their behalf. Are you picking up what I'm putting down this morning? There is a power when we open our mouths and we praise the King of Kings. There is a power when we believe the Lord, we step out in faith and we praise His name for the victory that we don't yet have. And I think that's sometimes where we get lost. And I'm speaking of my own life as an example. Sometimes the Lord takes us into a place where we need to praise Him for the victory we don't yet have. The Bible calls it faith in the unseen. The Bible calls it belief in the rhema word of God. Belief in His promises. Seeing, believing without seeing. <laughs> Almost got it wrong. Believing without seeing. When they began to sing and praise, God stepped in. And they praised with such a joyful acclaim because they regarded the victory as already obtained. God, you said it, therefore it shall be so. Lord, you said you will provide, therefore I rejoice and I am glad in the provision that I don't yet see, but I know that I have it. I know it's coming. I know my reward is coming because I'm standing in faith. I'm believing. It's actually that simple, church. We can complicate it as much as we want to. The Bible says, believe and it shall be according to what you believe. But what did they have? They had a rhema word of God. Johannes and I stand on the promises that we know that were spoken by God and also by prophets. God speaks through people. And I'm not, this is not about me. It's not about Johannes. But when I go to a church service, when I go to any place, even when we went to 
Romanus and we did the outreach there. I know that I need to have an expectant heart because God can speak to Johannes. He can speak to you. He can speak to Stefan. He can speak to anyone here and it can be his voice. And so I believe that's why he also said to them, listen to the prophets of the Lord also. And I know we cannot trust everyone, but your trust is not in people. Your trust is in him who speaks. Amen. So I want to encourage us to always live with that expectant heart. And Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. Because when we are in faith, number one, the verse says that we have to believe that he exists. And number two, it says we have to believe that he rewards those who seek him. What are we doing when we are in, where we, when we are in a fast? We're trusting God to speak to us. It's a faith discipline. Prayer is a faith discipline. Otherwise, if you don't have faith, then I don't know. What are you, what are you saying? What are you, what are you doing? To fast takes faith. To pray takes faith. To praise, I think, takes even more faith. Because it's easy to praise when things are going well. It's easy to praise when you feel like God is answering your prayers and you're getting everything that you want. But the faith comes in when we need to praise when we don't yet have the victory. The faith comes in when we need to praise when we are still waiting for the breakthrough. When we've just got the written word of the promise, or maybe you've got an audio of a word. And all you can see is the word. But God is saying, start opening your mouth and praising me for what I'm about to do. And oftentimes I believe God's already at work and we need to praise him for what he's already busy with, even though we cannot see it. That is faith. And I love that the Bible says that praise went in first. Who was this tribe? Who was this nation? Jehoshaphat was the king of Judah. The word Judah means praise. And Johannes shared with me when I was asking me all these army questions last night. He said to me, well, if praise went first... He actually believed in a battle today, the commander of the army will go first. The chief, what do you call him? <laughs> Not the chief. The commander of the army. He goes first and he gets off the field last. Who's our commander of our army? Jesus is the commander of the armies. Who is Jesus also? He's the lion of Judah. He goes first. When praise goes first, things start to happen. There's two other examples in Scripture. In Judges 6, verse 20, it speaks about the Israelites. No, sorry, Joshua. The Israelites were confronted with the wall of Jericho. Again, an impossible situation. Impregnable wall to get through. They couldn't break through in the natural. The Lord said to them, march around it for six days. On the seventh day, do it seven times and then give a shout of praise. And when they did it on the seventh day, the walls came crashing down. Acts 16, let's go to the New Testament. Paul and Silas were in jail. Why were they in jail? Because they were in position doing the work of the Lord. Paul had actually just casted out a demon of some lady that were irritating them. Okay, They were preaching the gospel in the streets. And this lady was actually making a lot of money for the people. So when the demon left, she wasn't making money anymore. And so they got angry at Paul and Silas, threw them in jail. And the Bible says that even their feet, the shackles around their feet were tied so tightly, there was no way for them to escape. The doors were locked. And the Bible says at midnight they started singing. At midnight they started praising God. Midnight represents the most impossible time in the situation. At the crisis point, at the darkest point of the situation, they said our God is still good. Not, but Lord, we're doing your work. Why are we in jail? No, no, no. God, you are still good. What an honor that we get to praise you in the prison. 
And it says that all the other prisoners were listening to them. And at, mid at midnight, the foundations of the prison started to shake. It said this, at midnight, they were praying and singing hymns to God. And other prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly, everyone say suddenly. suddenly. A violent earthquake and the foundations of the prison shaken at once. And all the doors flew open and everyone's chains were loosed. And then the Bible continues about all the other people, the jailer and his household and everyone that got saved as well. So, I mean, lots of other miracles followed. But again, it's the power of praise. It's the power of recognizing God's goodness no matter what circumstances we are in. When we sing to God and we praise His name, we are exalting Him. We are releasing something in the supernatural. The atmosphere starts to shift. It brings God's presence into our situation. Do you know that the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people? What does that mean? That word inhabit means dwell, come into, enter into. God's presence comes into my situation when I praise Him regardless of my situation. When I praise Him because He is good, His character stays the same no matter my circumstances. And so when we praise, we are not trying to manipulate God to get Him to do what we want. We praise because it's the truth of who He is. So we magnify him because of his character, like Jehoshaphat did in his prayer. Aren't you the God of heaven? Aren't you the one that have done all these things? God, you are good whether I get what I want or not. And that's sometimes the thing we have to get our heart around. Am I still going to praise God even if the outcome is not what I'm hoping or if I'm expecting? Can I trust that he's big enough to do something that is higher than my understanding? Can I trust him that he's big enough to do something that's higher than my ability to reason? If you've ever tried to figure God out, stop. I'm a bit of a reasoner and I've learned we can never figure him out. But what we can figure out is that he's good. And he's good all the time. And his plans for us are good. His plans for us are to prosper us, not to harm us. Will it always be easy? Definitely not. Will he sometimes take me through a purifying fire? Absolutely. That's why we need to watch what we pray. But listen to this. I think I read it earlier, but let's read it again. Repetition is such a good thing. Psalm 100, verse 1 to 5. And I love this. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him singing with joy. Acknowledge that He is God. He made us and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates... With thanksgiving, here is very awesome. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his unfailing love continues forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. David, Einstein David. And I love that it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. We spoke about it at a team meeting this morning. I normally preach the whole sermon in the 15 minutes that we have for team meeting. But we spoke about this in the Old Testament where Moses had the tabernacle. There was a gate that led to the outer court, that led to the inner court, that led to the holy of holies, which was where the Ark of the Covenant was the place where God chose to rest his presence, to dwell his presence. And only the high priest was allowed to go into the holies of holies. But I love that it says here, and this scripture actually references to that, enter the gate. There was only one gate into the outer court. Enter that gate with thanksgiving. Enter the courts with praise. 
So the way into God's presence is through thanksgiving and praise. When we have thankful hearts and we nourish or we cultivate a heart of thankfulness, no matter how hard things are at the moment and you feel like, but I have nothing to be thankful for, I want to encourage us there is something we can be thankful for. And when we have a heart of, of thankfulness and gratefulness, it's a heart's posture. It's an attitude. It's a mindset we have to choose. We don't automatically wake up and, oh, I feel so grateful. My life is falling apart. I'm so thankful. You don't wake up like that. You choose it. You choose it. And then I praise him because he's good. Not because he did this for me or he did that for me, because he's good. It's his character. It's who he is. He cannot change. And then my praise leads me into his presence because he inhabits the praises of his people. God is drawn to praise. He is drawn to a grateful heart. And I really believe this is going to be a key for some people this morning. Why do you think we start our services with praise and worship? It's not a little before act because the main act is the preacher. No, 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 no. It's actually, I believe, the most important part of the service because we are entering the gate with thanksgiving. We are entering the courts with praise. We are positioning our hearts in a place where we can encounter his presence. Praise and worship actually prepares the soil of our heart for the seed of the word to fall for it to start germinating inside of us so that it can produce fruit in our lives. I've been in many services, many church services, where I see people go out and, you know, chat with someone else for worship, and then when the word starts, they'll come in. Can I say that you're actually missing out on the biggest, the biggest experience? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. There's a scripture in, in 2 Chronicles 5, I think, let me just double check so that I don't preach heresy. 2 Chronicles 5. And Solomon is in the temple. He's now built the temple. And it said that they were praising. Let me just read it to you properly. It said that when the trumpeters and the singers were united as one, and they were worshiping the Lord, and this is in the Old Testament already. They were worshiping as one. They were singing, making music to the Lord. It says that the glory of the Lord filled the temple with such intensity that the priests could not minister the word of God because the cloud was too thick of the Lord's glory, of the Lord's presence in that place. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. He is drawn like a magnet, like a moth to a flame to praise to a grateful heart, to someone who believes even though they don't see. Amen? Praise is not silent. I'm sorry if I'm stepping on an introvert though this morning. Praise is not silent. It doesn't mean you have to be a clown and shout and like David Stand naked in the middle of the city of Vintuk and start praising God. <laughs> David did that. But praise is a verbal expression of what is inside of our hearts. It's a verbal expression about how we feel about our king. What we believe about him. There's a few words that speak to that. The word yada means to worship with extended hands. Ooh, mama, hierdie kerk wat so hande oplig. It's biblical. It means to extend in worship with extended hands. There's another word, tehillah, that means to sing, to make music. When we do that, it invites his ruling presence into our lives. The word hallelujah is the main word that is used for praise in the Bible. Hallelujah. We raise a hallelujah. It means to boast, to brag, to make a show, even to the point of looking ridiculous. Sometimes I think people think I'm ridiculous, but I'm so excited when we get to praise and we get to worship. I don't actually care what people think about me. It took me a long time to get there. 
okay? But I was fortunate enough to be in a church where the lights were off during praise and worship. So it gave me confidence to start raising my hand. You know, the iri. Some of us start here. And that's okay. Because you know why sometimes we do that? Because we feel so self-conscious sometimes. We care so much about what people think about us. Or we feel unworthy. But can I just encourage us as a church to really get rid of that? It doesn't matter. You don't have to worship like anyone else. It's a personal expression. But what I do want to encourage us that there is a verbal expression. There is a way of opening my mouth and telling God. You don't have to shout it. But you can still open your mouth. You can still tell him what he means to you. You can still tell him, Lord, you are good. You know what it actually does on the inside of you? It breaks a lot of the bondage inside of us as well. It actually breaks chains. I believe the power of praise. It can break chains in our lives. Things that we are struggling to shake. Do not underestimate the power when we open up our mouths. The word praise actually means to commend, to applaud, to magnify, to lift up, to glorify. A humbling expression of thanksgiving to our King. And we can have many expressions. We can just adore the Lord and just tell Him how beautiful He is. We can clap our hands. We can sing. We can dance. Okay? I wonder what will happen if I just make us all dance this morning. Johanna says, oh, like a... I want to read you this scripture, Hebrews 13, verse 15. It says, through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. And I think sometimes we feel like praise is a sacrifice. And I think it can be a sacrifice when we're in that place where we don't yet see the victory. It's harder to praise when I don't yet see. But it is still important that I do it. If I want to see God move. If I want to experience His presence. And again, we're not doing it to manipulate. We're doing it out of a pure heart for who he is. But the byproduct is he loves it. The byproduct is it activates the supernatural. It opens up heaven over us. Five things as we, as we end the word this morning. Five things that I believe that praise will do for us. As I was reading this story, and you can make your own notes, you can... You know, testify for your own life. What has it done in your life? Number one, it shifts our focus from ourselves and our situation to Him. It actually gets us to take our focus off of ourselves because who knows that our flesh is very much prone to selfishness. It's so easy for us to live our day to day lives focused on ourselves, focused on our issue and our problem. And you know what I've learned is that when I praise and when I do things like serving, I actually forget about my own problems for a moment. And I can actually be a channel for the Lord to work through me to accomplish miracles for other people. And then I get faith to trust Him for my own. It's a powerful, powerful tool. Number two, praise will actually shift the spiritual atmosphere. We spoke about God inhabits the praises of His people. There is a power in corporate worship. That is why when even in our children's church, a big focus, we don't just play games with the children. We teach them how to go into the presence of God. Because this generation will need to know the presence of God. They will need to have a sensitivity in the spirit that we can only dream about. So we teach them there is no Holy Spirit Junior. We teach them to go into the presence of the Lord. We teach them how to wait on God's voice. We teach them how to hear God's voice because they are still so open. They are still so sensitive. They don't have all these fears and all these, 
barriers that we've built up over the years. And I want to encourage you, if you are a parent in our church, I want to encourage you, make church a priority. Make church a priority, even if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for your children. They need to be in the presence of God. They need to be in a place of corporate worship where they can experience and encounter Him because it will change their lives forever. They will not need to fight the battles that we had to fight because we didn't have that experience. You will set them up for something incredible. Don't skip church. There is even a power in us corporately gathering. I'm not saying this because I want everyone to come to our church. You hear my heart. I'm saying because there's a power in it. You know what has happened so many times? This is actually number three. It releases God's power for miracles. Do you know how many times we've seen people receive healing in the time of worship, in the time of praise? Shackles breaking over people, addictions breaking over people. When people lean in with their hearts and they come in with absolute abandonment in his presence. The Bible also says there is fullness of joy in his presence. And you know that it takes a mindset. I mean, we've all been there. You come into a church service. Oh, I can't hear really get a swelong. You get and you just go through the motions and you raise hallelujah. You know, you can do this and absolutely get nothing, experience nothing. It's true. It's true, we've all done it. Oh, But you know, when you come in with a, with a posture of expectancy, that even if you know this song, even if the speaker goes, it doesn't matter. Is God in this place or not? Did I come to encounter my king or not? Okay, that is the hard posture that I believe we need to have when we come into the presence of God. And then we will actually start to see healings. We will start to see miracles. There is something I even say to our team. We encourage our team to lean into the worship. Have you noticed if there's just one person in the room worshiping with all of their heart, it changes things. It encourages someone else. I love going into a worship service where people worship like it's the last worship service they will ever attend. I love it. It encourages my heart. I can stay in that place forever. I even do it at home. <laughs> I would have a bath and I would put on my worship music. Okay, always be respectful, but it will really bless them. And you can create a house of worship in your house, a house of praise in your house. I love that some of our volunteers, when they get ready to bring their kids to kids' church, where they, the kids have to come as early as they have to at 7.30, in order to get the kids up, they put on worship music, clap out in the eyes. The kids love it. There is something that releases in the atmosphere. Amen? Number four, it sends the enemy running. And it leaves no room for complaining or negativity. It sends the enemy running. You know that Satan was a worship angel. Do you know that his heart and his aim is for you to worship him? And to praise his name? And to glorify him? Do you know why there's such an attack on worship teams and churches who really release anointed worship for the global body of Christ? It remains is of YouTube. Do you know why there's such an attack on worship? Because the enemy hates it. Because he knows that there is such a power in praise and worship. And he would love for us to magnify our problems and magnify our challenges. And, you know, sometimes I've been in this situation where I've shared a challenge with someone. And I actually find myself over explaining my problem in such a way that I'm actually glorifying my problem. I don't even mention the Lord or how big the Lord is to fix the problem. I just really enjoy sharing the attack, the devil fall my on. 
Owens, that is not glorifying the Lord. I'm not saying we cannot have good soundboard and we cannot have good conversations. Hey, I'm struggling in this area. But I'm saying, don't give him the credit. Don't magnify the problem or the situation and talk about that for five hours and you don't even pray about it. Or you don't even say, but you know what? All of this nonsense going on, I know God's going to do something. I know the size of my problem is just giving the Lord an opportunity to do something crazy, spectacular, miraculous in my life. It's a mindset. I have to choose to be thankful. I have to choose to praise him over the size of my problem. Hoop sê die duivel van my aan en sê die Heere is bezig om met my te werk. Die Heere werk nou. Die engele is om my. We can't see it, but we have to believe it. We have to speak it. What is coming out of our lips at the moment? Is it a sacrifice of praise or is it a glorification of the problem? Which one is going to bring us the victory? And I am preaching for myself as much as anyone else this morning. Those of us who love to talk, this is a challenge for us. Thy lips moet gesanctify word. And we get it right through praise. Amen. Number five, praise actually, I believe, brings healing to our souls. Psalm 16 says that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And the team can put on some music for us because I'm going to end for us in prayer this morning. Why do we do music? Because it's part of praise and worship. God's inha- God inhabits the praises of his people. There's a beautiful quote from C.S. Lewis. He said this, Praise is inner health made audible. Praise is inner health made audible. I actually believe when we, when we focus purposefully on praising God, especially in the difficult seasons, that God will not only do something on the outside, but He will do something on the inside of us. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to pray for a group of people because as I, as I was talking to the Lord about this, because we spoke about praise, I think about a year ago, and I said, Lord, but what is, what is it that you want to do today? And there were two things that I felt that the Lord spoke to me as I was preparing this week. And the first one was that He wants to release a new sound of praise through this church. Praise when we don't see the victory, but we believe for it. And especially in this time of fasting where we are saying, Lord, like Jehoshaphat and this army, we will actually put ourselves humbly at your feet. And we will not stop. If I made a mistake with my fast today, I'm trying again tomorrow because... Your mercies are new every day. And in any case, it's not about what I eat or what I don't eat. It's about my heart yearning for Him. It's about hunger for Him. It's about, Lord, I need you. I need you to breathe on me. I need you to talk to me. I need you to guide me and to lead me. So I really believe that God wants to release a fresh sound of praise out of our lips this morning. And then the Lord also showed me that there are there are people whose mouths are closed. Almost like there's a place that op your mouth over your lips. And I feel like there are people, and maybe you can close your eyes this morning as we just go into a time of prayer this morning. Maybe there are people in this room today that your praise has been silenced. We do fight a real enemy. I'm not making small of that today. But your praise has been silenced. Maybe your voice has been stolen because of disappointment. Maybe you trusted God for something and He didn't come through the way that you believed He would. Or maybe in the timing that He would have. And you're still waiting. You've got a word, but you're still waiting. I believe the Lord wants to just remove that plaster of disappointment this morning. Maybe you are here and you've lost your voice to praise because you've just lost faith. You've lost faith to just believe because you had an expectation. It's really similar to disappointment. 
you had an expectation and maybe it wasn't met in the way that you expected. Maybe people disappointed you. Maybe people failed you. Maybe the church failed you. Whatever it is in your life this morning, I want to ask that you surrender it to Him today. He wants to remove that plaster. He wants to open up your mouth and fill you with a brand new song in spite of what you are facing right now. He wants to release a new sound of praise. He wants to fill your lungs with joy, with His breath, with His words. A supernatural joy despite what you see or feel or experience right now. And if that is you, I want to encourage you to just raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for this morning. If you feel like your praise has been silent, just raise your hand gently. No one is looking around. I just want to pray for you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I thank you, Lord, that you see every hand this morning. Lord, you know every heart in this room. You know the plans that you have for them. You know what they've experienced, what they've gone through. You know the depth of their disappointment. You know their fears, you know their anxieties. But Father, I pray that this morning, Lord, as you release a new sound through us today, Lord, would you breathe on them right now? And if that is you, I want you to just receive and focus on him this morning. Lord, I pray that you would breathe on them right now. Fill their lungs with your supernatural joy, Lord. Fill them with your peace. Fill them with a hunger for you, Lord. Restore what the enemy has tried to steal from them. Lord, fill their lips with your praises. And Father, I pray that as you release a new joy in this room today, Lord, that they would literally, as they open up their mouths, Lord, something would break, something would release, something would change in their life to die in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for your perfect will, your perfect timing for every person in this room. Lord, and in the next seven days of this fast, Lord, I pray that as we draw even closer to you, Lord, that you would draw near to us. That what we write down in our journals this week would be life-changing, directional giving, and would be a turning point for many of us into the direction that you want us to go. Lord, I pray that it would be a turning point for our church, the entering of a new season, new things that we're believing for, new growth. Lord, you are the God of new things. You are always doing something new. You are always in the process of restoring. You are always in the process of healing. But release a new sound through us this morning. And I want us to stand this morning and I want us to sing one more song of praise as we conclude the service. And when we're done, I'm not going to come up again. If you need prayer, then please come forward. We will be here. The team will be with us. Otherwise, please go and enjoy a cup of coffee. And I want to encourage you to stay with us in the fast for the next seven days. It's only seven days. If you didn't start with us before, then start today. Start tomorrow. Do something to show the Lord, Lord, I'm serious. I'm actually serious about you. I'm serious about my life. I'm serious about my purpose. I'm tired and bored of life in the world. I need more of you. And trust God to pour out His fire on your sacrifice. Amen. Amen. Can the team put up that second song for us? And we're going to hit the lights and we're going to praise God and then we're going to end the service. Amen. And allow the Lord to release a new song through you this morning. Sing it like you mean it. Don't care about anyone next to you. Os amal klink angelic by the time it reaches heaven. Amen. Amen. Come on, shout a joy to the Lord this morning. 
Give him a final praise. Tell him how awesome he is. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Who enjoyed that this morning? Don't you feel liberated? <laughs> Come on. We're praying for you in this final week. And uh, we want to encourage you. If there's anything specific, we can pray for you. Let us know in the week. If you need prayer now, you can come to the front. Otherwise, enjoy the sun. And I think there's a little bit of wind and a good cup of coffee. Amen. Have a blessed week, church.